This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Hey, well, good afternoon. I'm glad to see uh, most of you are still here with us. Um, I hope it's a nice lunch and, and hope you found this uh, valuable so far. So, uh, uh, Michelle Munson, Dr. Munson's uh, father is ill, and so she's not able to join us today. Uh, but she, she sends her regards, and she uh, sent her PowerPoint, and uh, also scripted out a narrative uh, so I could present it to you. And uh, so I think it's pretty interesting, and, and, and so I hope you find it valuable. And uh, because she wrote uh, the presentation for me, I think it'll be fairly close to what she would have expected to uh, present to you. Um, uh, and so I will, I will do my best. Um, so I'll just send a, a read the introduction as she would have, uh, she would have said it to you. Um, I want to start out by thanking Todd and Vicki for inviting me out to beautiful California uh, <laughs> to, to speak about our work in New York City with Tay uh, and to learn from all the great work being done here in California. Uh, I've been actively practicing social work, working with Tay, and conducting research with transitional age youth for 20 years. Uh, one thing I have observed repeatedly is uh, the period from older adolescence to young adulthood is a trajectory setting with regard to long-term mental health and well-being. I have watched as young people with mental health challenges have thrived after accessing mental health care during this time, and I've seen young people lose hope and disengage with their lives and with those who love them. As a nation, we have only just begun to address the unique needs of transition age youth, and conferences such as this one are launching paths for new innovative ideas to emerge and new collaborations to begin. I am so glad to be part of the day. So, and she definitely will be part of the day, um, and, um, and, uh, and I hope you feel that too. Um, this is an uh, acknowledgement from uh, the, uh, the people that support her work, uh, National Institute of Mental Health, uh, the McSilver Institute for Poverty Policy and Research at NYU, and uh, the Silver School of Social Work at NYU. Uh, so uh, the goals for today, uh, first to be some introductory comments about uh, Tay and mental health. Um, two, to talk about previous research uh, her team has completed that has influenced her intervention Cornerstone. Uh, then to introduce Cornerstone, uh, an innovative psychosocial intervention uh, that uh, Michelle and colleagues developed and are continuing to develop and testing in New York City. Um, and then look at some recent recommendations for moving forward and making suggestions uh, for us uh, for, to help move the field forward. So uh, before she put this presentation together, uh, she did some searches on Google News to see what headlines would come up uh, for young adult mental health. And uh, she was not surprised by the headlines uh, that arose. Uh, topics were about children in need being rejected for treatment, uh, services for young adults falling short, uh, programs developing and testing peer mentoring, and grants supportive of campus mental health. Uh, certainly uh, some of the nation's leading mental health narratives uh, around uh, transition age youth. Um, and thinking about the mental health of transition age youth and young adults, uh, it's important to set the stage with the research has shown us to date. Uh, through the lens of epidemiological studies, in some cases nationally representative data, we know that the transition to young adulthood is characterized by high prevalence rates of mental disorders in the general population, and in particular transitioning youth in marginalized populations such as those in the juvenile justice and foster care systems. 
We also know from research in New Zealand and the United States that most mental disorders have their initial onset before age of 24. And that most mental illnesses do not end in childhood, but rather they persist into adulthood, and in most cases are chronic conditions. Uh, so to get, taken together, these studies suggest that the transition in age health, uh, young adulthood uh, is a time of a great need uh, for mental health care. Yet at the same time, uh, we know that uh, utilization of behavioral health care is lower among young adults uh, and uh, relative to children and older adults. Uh, so in one study, fewer than 25% of college-aged individuals with a mental <coughs> disorder sought treatment in the prior year. Adding to this complexity are additional developmental cha challenges that are part of the becoming an adult. Uh, namely transitions and identity development. Uh, first of all, this is a time of transition for all young people with common transitions being made with regard to residential status, friendships, family support, and financial dependence. For those living with mental health challenges, the transitions are often many more. Can I still access care where I live? Can I get the same services? What type or setting of provider do I go to now in my new setting? Who can I call to talk to and support me? Also during the transition from adolescence to young adulthood is the development of the identity or self. Young people are asking, who am I? And after receiving a mental health diagnosis, they must often ponder, does this diagnosis impact who I am? And if so, how? For some, the combination of having a need, not getting help, and experiencing multiple transitions can create a perfect storm in a young adulthood. If we can improve support for dealing with these transitions, consolidating an identity, and improving help-seeking, we might be able to improve the situation. Scholars in this field, including Rusty Clark, Marianne Davis, Curtis McMillan, uh, Todd and Vicki right here in San Diego, and many others, have been engaging in research to build an understanding of how best to approach helping Tay, in quotes, uh, making a more successful transition to adulthood while living with mental health challenges. There's now an established body of work laying the groundwork for how to address the needs of Tay, including ideas on how to intervene to improve engagement in the services, uh, for example, attendance at session and a level of investment in services, and improve outcomes such as employment, education, and healthy relationships. Uh, what I want to focus on today is I'm going to talk three or four studies about from our research group that have laid the groundwork for our intervention cornerstone, uh, which I'll then talk about. So the first study I want to talk about briefly is, was began in 20, 2007 and asked some of the broad research questions. What are mental health service use experiences across the transition to young adulthood? The study utilized a grounded theory approach and listened to in-depth stories regarding mental health service use experiences across the transition among a group of young adults with mental illness. Up to this point, there were no studies that had looked in-depth into the mental health experiences of youth transitioning to young adulthood with mental health challenges. In this study, we explored the in-depth mental health experiences of 60 young adults, ages 18 to 25, who used Medicaid-funded mental health services during adolescence, along with additional public systems of care, and participants were recruited throughout the community. We asked young adults to explain their mental health service use experiences over the transition to adulthood. It's important to note that some were using services and some weren't at the time of the interview. Uh, we are aware of previous research reflected here, looking at individual factors, relation-level factors, and macro-level factors, but we remain grounded, remaining we used an emergent theoretical analytic strategy as, it being opposed, as opposed to being steered by any one theory uh, or perspective. We conducted face-to-face -face interviews with 60 young adults, approximately two to three hour interviews. Uh, we did line-by-line -line coding of all interviews. 
We used an iterative uh, interviewing analysis process, meaning we did some interviews, analyzed the data, and did more theoretical sampling and interviewing to further uncover and unpack emerging themes and hypotheses. We used constant comparison within and between interviews throughout the process. A second set of coders were involved in later analysis processes discussing axial or grouped codes and themes. What emerged years later uh, was a multi-level theoretical framework of young adult mental health service use. The theoretical framework builds on two previous sets of theories, mental health services theories and social psychological decision-making theories. The model suggests a few key things that relate to our intervention development work and that we think could help you when you think about designing programs for TAE in the future. First, uh, we need to think about programs specifically in relation to what outcome we are attempting to improve. In this case, interventions are needed for both shaping intentions to use services, which is box H, and actually using services, which is box M. Second, there are important contextual factors that young adults reported were influential to their service use behaviors and their thoughts and emotions about service use. And these are A, the social environment, uh, box B, and other elements of the community, box A. Key mediating determinants must be addressed that are barriers and facilitators to young adult mental health, and they fall into five main categories in boxes C through G. Uh, behavioral beliefs, social and normative factors, uh, and, uh, image and impression management, emotion and self-efficacy. The second study examined the supportive relationships in the lives of Tay with mental health needs as they transition to adulthood. Um, here are the three research questions uh, that were examined. Um, in response to the first research question, uh, we found that Tay commonly reported that family, friends, and professionals were the most supportive adults in their lives uh, regarding their mental health. In response to the question two, um, what qualities did Tay find supportive in their relationships? We found that consistency, mutuality, and empathy were especially salient to young adults. In response to RQ3, uh, what is the nature of the support provided in these relationships? We found that emotional, tangible, uh, for example, helping me get my medications, and informational, for example, where to go for mental health services, support were the most important to youth. Finally, in a third study, we asked transition age youth what types of activities would entice them to come to services and engage them. The top responses in our study were support groups, uh, peer support groups, and creative expression activities, such as uh, poetry, art, and music. So overall, in summary, these are some of the needs and preferences of Tay that were foundational aspects of the development of Cornerstone. Uh, developing healthy relationships, including trust and respect, uh, developing a positive mental health narrative, learning how mental health care can help, uh, increasing trust in providers, uh, increasing knowledge and skills for young adult outcomes, learning from someone who has been there, uh, the use of creative arts and music, and services with other young adults. So from these studies and over the past decade, along with the important work of those who paved the way, our team is now developing and testing Cornerstone, a psychosocial intervention for transition age youth with mental health challenges, uh, which lasts up to one year. The program is innovative in the following ways. It provides a service delivery strategy that spans the developmental boundaries of the child and the adult system, meaning that staff remain with the TAE across the transition from the pediatric to the adult program uh, mental health care systems. 
we are employing mentors in the program who also live with a mental illness and provide role modeling for Tay. We are using in vivo strategies, meaning that staff go into the community with participants to look at community colleges, jobs, and housing sites. Uh, we have developed skills-based groups in targeted areas. And finally, we are relying on the use of the creative arts, which young people have told us they wanted to engage in. So, uh, Cornerstone. So Cornerstone is steeped in the importance of providing and supporting relationships and connection. In our model, we use groups to build peer relationships, and we focus on developing solid relationships that possess qualities most valued by Tay, as discussed in previous research. These qualities include respect, genuineness, and consistency. Uh, the cornerstone addresses several barriers uh, that emerged in the previous research. Uh, for example, mistrust of professionals. Uh, one young person states in our data, I do not trust the professionals that want to help me. Uh, this has been a common sentiment in our research. Therefore, we go about trying to influence and change this mistrust while validating previous experiences in the following ways. Uh, we ask our role, recovery role model, uh, who uh, co-facilitates groups with a social worker, to talk about his or her process of developing trust with professionals. Uh, we use art activities to facilitate discussion on past experiences where trust was violated. Uh, we model a trusting relationship between the social worker and mentor throughout the Cornerstone program. We also specifically work to address the barrier that professional services aren't, aren't efficacious. Uh, for example, young people in our data stated, services are pointless and I can get help on the streets. But we designed a cornerstone to address this barrier in two important ways. We use a narrative mental health communication, uh, which are engaging stories about how services have been helpful. And we use more traditional psychoeducational strategies that have been adapted uh, for young adults. Another important uh, mentoring mediating barrier that we must address in order to improve the lives of transitional age youth uh, with mental illness is hope. Uh, it is clear from our research that young adults uh, most often feel hopeless after being diagnosed with mental illness. In order to work against this barrier, we use creative arts exercises uh, to envision what the future can look like, uh, even with the mental health challenge, and we again allow for the recovery role models to talk about their journey towards hope. Finally, stigma is, as we know, a very powerful barrier for individuals living with mental illness, and it has emerged in our research as well. Uh, for example, one young adult in our research stated, uh, it's a bad label. Uh, people look at me, they've seen the way, uh, what I've been through, and they, you know, they think of you in a different way. Uh, they judge you. Uh, Cornerstone as a program uh, works to address stigma with normalizing podcasts and, again, the relationship with the recovery role model. Uh, we also have a set of groups on addressing stigma. Um, so here's a, a conceptual model of Cornerstone. So what, I, you know, what I've liked about her presentation as far is it actually touches on a lot of things that we're doing here in California uh, with the, the use of peers, uh, you know, spanning the transition age zone, um, as well as the use of the creative arts and uh, engaging youth. Um, uh, this is uh, their conceptual model. Uh, it's uh, designed to directly impact one's intention to use services and their thoughts about whether to use them and then their actual use of services and major functional outcomes. Um, and it's addressed to indirectly impact those outcomes through the mediating processes of impacting negative beliefs about services, stigma, and uh, self-efficacy. So the cornerstone is specifically focusing on uh, these outcomes, so uh, maintaining uh, services, uh, maintaining mental health, uh, maintaining insurance, uh, which certainly helps improve access to services, maintaining or obtaining housing, um, employment and education, problem solving and coping, and social and community integration. 
So again, a lot of things we've been talking about today as far as targeted domains for the, for the TAE programs that you're all running. And this uh, uh, figure describes the major program components uh, that are used to, to achieve those outcomes. So uh, they are boundary-spanning case management, mentoring, uh, skills, knowledge, and relationship-building groups, and in vivo practices. And uh, uh, Michelle has specific uh, approaches for, for each of these. And so we'll break each one down a little bit. So uh, here's some of uh, the evidence base for the cornerstone elements. Uh, for the uh, uh, first for the care manager, uh, the idea is that unlike traditional services where the youth have to change providers when they turn 18, cornerstone they will continue to work with the same case manager. Uh, the case manager will span the boundary of traditional mental health and child systems. Uh, the care ma uh, case manager will be trained in recovery orientation, strength-based, and person-centered practice methods, along with trauma-focused CBT and problem-solving. Um, a unique innovation is that we're building on an evidence-based model of case management from the adult system that focuses on transitions called critical time uh, intervention. And this uh, is uh, similar to some of the work we've conducted here in San Diego County that where youth have expressed their desire for a, or a CASA or their court-appointed uh, representative to continue uh, past their kind of graduation from, from foster care system. Evidence-based uh, element uh, for the recovery uh, role model is the peer mentor. So the second component uh, of the program brings together the knowledge from youth mentoring and peer support to conceptualize a type of peer for TAE called the recovery role model. Recovery role models are peers in that they have lived experience. However, they are trained as mentors and peer support specialists, and they must meet specific criteria and training requirements to be in the role. Uh, for example, they must consistently use services as needed. Uh, they must be further along in recovery than the TAE participants. They must be able to manage stigma and disclosure and are able to talk about it. Uh, they must have achieved positive life outcomes, such as working or, or attending college. Um, our staff, uh, the recovery role uh, uh, manager, highlighted in blue, uh, the recovery role uh, model mentor, uh, is a decade older than Tay, so they're older and wiser. Uh, they're trained in peer support and mentoring. Uh, they focus on a set of outcomes, specific outcomes. They work within a peer-mediated model of peer support, so they're a part of a larger intervention. They're not on their own. But, but actually have their own peers and supervision. Uh, and the training and supervision builds on the peer support certification in York and youth mentoring program policies and procedures. Um, so they've uh, obviously, you know, uh, they piloted, piloted this in their work, uh, 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 you know, prior to, to implementing the model. And here are some responses. It helped me because Gloria is a person who's been through a lot, and I've been through a lot. So I feel like we have that, like that similarity there. And Gloria is a strong person, like I look up to her a lot. She inspires me a lot. So in these quotes, you can hear the importance of knowing that other people have had difficult things happen to them. Uh, you're not alone, and really how valuable it is to have a role model that the participant looks up to and is inspired by. Uh, so this is how we think about mentoring programs built on modeling can have an impact on Tay as they launch into more independent adulthood. Um, uh, an, an, another one. So here the quote illustrates modeling again and also reveals a sense of hopefulness. That is a hope that one can do better and fight through all the difficult past. Uh, look what Jim threw, uh, went through and look what he is. Jim fought through all that stuff. All that stuff that happened to him and made him. I don't want to get beeped on UCSD TV. 
and made something of it uh, to help other people. Uh, and I look up to Jim because he made something out of it. And I want to be just like that. And I just can't get over how amazing he is. Uh, so our team believes that mentoring can be particularly relevant for Tay with mental health challenges, uh, but no programs have evaluated this supposition. Uh, well, we hypothesize that transition years are often the time of the first onset of mental disorder and a time of critical identity development. A mentor may be particularly relevant in making sense of one's life with a mental illness. They may also provide services beyond emotional support and companionship, including communicating important lessons surrounding managing life with a mental illness in young adulthood. Uh, the recovery role models could also be a cost-effective strategy in the current healthcare landscape. Uh, the recovery role model position also provides job opportunities for adults in recovery from mental illness. Uh, so we hope you're interested to see how Cornerstone uh, and the mentoring program works. Uh, mentors will meet with mentees within an outpatient clinic setting in the community to do fun activities together and visit potential sites important to the taste success, college, housing sites, and, and so on. Uh, the third key component of Cornerstone is group works. Uh, uh, groups are a key modality in Cornerstone. Uh, we chose this modality for a number of evidence-informed reasons. Uh, groups are a protective factor for youth, and they decrease isolation and loneliness. Uh, they need practical skills and knowledge necessary for successful transition. Uh, youth with mental health challenges want to engage in creative ways in their services, and youth want groups that address past experience of violence, loss, and sexual abuse. Uh, the skill-based weekly groups uh, were designed to address gaps in taste services, uh, to provide dual facilitation model where a licensed clinician and mentor are facilitating them together as a facilitator credibly and trustworthiness is a key. And groups address practical health management and social support needs. We have developed a cornerstone groups manual, which has a curriculum for over 60 groups. Uh, and the main areas of content are as follows. Independent living skills, uh, positive mental health narrative, uh, dealing with stress and keeping me safe, managing the views of others and myself, anger management, and understanding my mental health and what can help me stay well. Um, I want to share some of our group exercises to give you a sense of some of these methods of intervention and to share with you some resources for you to use as well. Uh, one section on developing a positive mental health narrative I want to talk about, exercises we use in different groups. And we have a couple... Uh, Podcasts, and we'll see if these work. Um, uh, we use podcasts of celebrities or well-known figures that Tay youth know and pay close attention to to gauge them and explore concepts that come up in the narratives of these individuals. Uh, this first podcast uh, is an African-American male professional athlete who has a major mood disorder and has been very public uh, about his mental health care and the hopeful helpfulness of his psychiatrist. The narrative in the video also addresses stigma, setting goals, help seeking, seeking another topic youth would like to discuss. I've definitely been dealing with like mental health you know, issues for a long time, you know, um, as far as just you know, not being able to cope with everyday life or whether it's um, having issues that you don't want to talk to nobody about, things building up. You know, and snowballing from something that could have been handled and something that was small to something that went out of control. Well, you know, growing up in my environment and anytime you said you was going to see a counselor, automatically people, they associated you with 
you know, um, kind of kids who ride the small yellow bus, what they say back home, you know, you're on a small bus. So some kids don't want to be associated with that, you know. Um, but my mom told me, you know, you should go see a therapist and talk about your problem because your temper is out of control. And this is when I was 13 years old, right at the time when my parents broke up. So, you know, that helped me out a lot. My first couple of years in the NBA, I was depressed um, because I had my, my first kid young, you know, 16 going on 17. So years pass, go to college, get to the NBA, you know, and then between those years, it was um, new experiences and, you know, getting in trouble and stuff like that, whether it was off the court with my household because I'm a young parent now, right? So... And my dad left at the age of 13, so I'm, a, I'm teaching myself how to become a man, how to become a father, you know. In between that time, I'm not doing all the right things, you know. So that leads to arguments at home. It leads to you bring, it, you bring your problems from home, you bring it to work, and then what you see is on the basketball court. You know, you might see a flagrant foul or a tech or a I just don't care attitude. I mean, one time I was at the Garden, we lost against the Knicks, and I threw the monitor on the court which made no sense, technical foul in game six in Detroit. You know, when I was with Indiana, when we was trying to get to the championship, you know, that was a temper that needed to be, that needed to be controlled. Well, I think it starts in the household, you know, preferably, you know, preferably your household is strong, preferably you can talk to your dad first, or you can talk to your mom, you know, or your uncle, bigger brother, bigger cousin. Then if that don't work, you know, you want to go to your teacher, somebody that's positive, a positive influence. And if that doesn't work, then you want to, just, you want to see somebody professional. It takes a lot of, you know, self-searching um, and, you know, just being honest with your psychologist, being honest with whoever you're talking to, you know, being able to handle the truth, you know, and I think that's a, that's a, um, uh, you know, a hump that you have to get over. I think to be a man, you know, you got to be um, willing to accept that you're not perfect, that you should be better, that you can be better. Well, before, I remember before, you know, I didn't even want to play in the NBA and people was like, what are you talking about? And now that I, you know, address my issues, like, you know, I want to do so much more. I want to become a better dad, you know. I want to see what my kids want to do and what goals do they want to reach. I want to reach more goals because I believe now I can do anything I put my mind to. You know, um, I, I totally feel right. I'm at a point right now in my life where I can't be stopped. You know, my mind is too strong. When I was five years old, someone that I really, truly, truly trusted molested me. And that made my teenage life terrible. So all my teenage life, I hated myself. I didn't want to look at myself. And I thought I was ugly because I thought what happened, you know, when I was molested, I thought it was my fault. All my life, I thought it was my fault. All my life, as a teenager, I've seen women abused, called names, being beaten so badly. You can hear them screaming in the, in the next, you can hear the next door neighbor, neighbor screaming at the top of her lungs, you're going to break my back, you're going to kill me. And see women running down the stairs and their husbands or boyfriends running after them and hitting them so hard and stomping them and kicking them and punching them to where they were bleeding. And this is all I've ever seen. Women have always been abused in my life. So I carried all this in my life. 
I became an alcoholic, I became a coke addict, and um, this was the only thing that was getting me through. And I had all, I had access to jewelry, I had access to alcohol, drugs, clothes, coats, yachts, whatever I wanted, basically, but I had no self-love. So all of these um, physical things covered up all of the, the, all of the hurt and the pain that was going, that was, I was, I was dealing with inside of me. I know my lowest point, I was on the My Life album. That was the darkest, darkest point of my life. I was being abused, you know, um, I was abusing myself. I really, I, I got tired of living, so I was almost on the verge of suicide. I'm not, I'm not even almost on the verge of suicide. I was suicidal. I was ready to, to kill myself because I hated the way I looked. I hated the sound of my voice. I hated everything about me. I had no place to put everything I was feeling. You know, like when I was saying I wanted to be happy. I really wanted to be happy, honestly. When I wrote the, the song My Life, if you looked at my life and see what I see, what I was seeing on a regular basis was abuse, drugs, self-hate. I was just the walking dead. And when you're the, there's no spirit man to help you through. You know, your spirit man is the greater man in you that shuts all of this down and says, you know, when people are saying that you can't do it, your spirit man say, yes, I can. I didn't have a yes, I can. I had a no, I can't, and it's never going to get done, and I'm never going to do this, and I'm going to die right now, and guess what? I don't care. I don't want to live. I just want to die. And that's the spirit that was on the My Life album. When I finally woke up and saw what was going on, um, I began to pray. The only way I knew how, I didn't know how to pray, but I just said, God, I need, I'm sick, you know, I'm sick and I need you to help me. I don't want to die, but if something doesn't change, I'm going, I'll, I'll just kill myself, you know, so you're going to have to help me. And um, what happened was he sent me someone in my life to change, that, that helped me change my environment. There was, I was being challenged by my friend. My friend is my husband now, but he was my friend. And he was asking me questions like, why do you hate yourself? Why do you drink so much? Why do you hang around people that don't, don't, that you know don't like you? Why are you in this surrounding, you know? And these are questions that, these were hard questions, truthful questions that I had this, you know, that hurt really bad when I had to answer them. The truth hurts when you, when, it, when you have to deal with yourself. But at the end of the day, when I found out what it was, and it, the seed was the fact that I, my father wasn't there for me when I was a child, and he wasn't there when this person molested me. That hurt me really bad. But the only thing that I could do is to go through the pain of getting better and go through the pain of looking at myself and how ugly I had become on the inside and not even ugly, just, just the pain of forgiving those people. Right. The pain of forgiveness. A lot of us don't get a second chance or get a chance to talk about it late, this late in life. If you're a teenager or if you're however old you are, right now, talk about it. Go to somebody and speak about it. Don't let anybody, don't let anybody tell you that you are not beautiful, you're not smart, you're not strong, you're not powerful, you're not influential, like, just all of, you, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
So they found that these uh, the, the celebrity podcasts are very powerful, and um, uh, they use this uh, particularly one to teach content about uh, cognitive behavioral therapy and how our thoughts, emotions, and behaviors uh, are all connected. Uh, they engage and see these connections, and they also have reported liking the opportunity to talk about childhood abuse, addiction, spirituality, and its role, the role in recovery. Um, and they uh, create other podcasts uh, around other individuals on other topics, uh, some celebrities, some participants in the program, um, and also combine that uh, with, with the, the, the groups and the, and, the art, and the art therapy. So uh, also in working to understand Tay's narratives and working to develop a positive narrative, uh, we engage in creative arts activities to first get a sense of participants' past as it relates to their mental health and their perspective on their future as it relates to their life possibilities with mental illness. Uh, these exercises developed with creative arts therapists have been very successful in getting Tay uh, to talk about their feelings and experiences and how they really see things. Um, in this exercise, we explain to them uh, that we'd like you to create an image that you can share with the group of a moment in time in the past or as hard uh, uh, that you carry with you today, uh, that you would like to be able to let go. And here's an example from a participant who articulated that he or she felt trapped in the self, a uh, home in the community. In our exercise around envisioning the future, one participant felt that even with their mental illness, he or she sees a flourishing garden uh, with flowering blossoms in her future. Uh, some also did not want to do arts. So they wrote poems or music, lyrics, or essays. Uh, here's some feedback on these exercises which we have piloted. This quote shows uh, the engagement and feeling understood through uh, their sharing their creative poetry. So these quotes show the salience to some participants of a group specifically for young adults and how that motivated them to come. It also shows the use of art as helpful in processing loss and processing feelings. In summary, as I think about this conference and the assembled group of stakeholders here, I think about some overall suggestions I have on how to help Tay in our work, and a few things stand out. Involving youth in the work, and we've talked a bit about that, that today and the, and the importance and the effectiveness of that. Um, Tay in need of a combination of services and supports, uh, focus on building social networks, focus on developing skills, um, providing Tay with increased autonomy and mental health management, and a focus on uh, functional outcomes. And what can be done to move the field forward? Um, development of networks of stakeholders who can take the foundation and build specialized programmings for the unique needs of the population. Building on the shoulders of hard work, advocacy, and knowledge building of many of you in this room and others across the country, we're now well positioned to take steps to continue this movement towards an improved system of care uh, for transition age youth and young adults in the U.S. and abroad. So, uh, so thank you. I, uh, I wish Michelle could have been here today. I'm sure she'll come out again sometime and hopefully meet some of you. Um, and definitely, I'm sure she'll welcome any questions about her cornerstone model. Uh, the, uh, her uh, materials, you know, as she said, has over uh, 16 different uh, group uh, uh, therapy approaches or, or group exercises. And, and I think her recovery role model, I think, is very interesting and mirrors some of the peer uh, mentoring things that we're doing here. Uh, in California, so uh, so great. So, any any questions? Great, thank you. 
You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.